0: Welcome to the Parent Points Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Cabot. The mission of this podcast is to help you, the parent, realize and accomplish this truth. You are the primary disciple maker of your child. I truly believe that this podcast only helps one parent grasp this and apply it to their home. It is 100% worth it. Well, this episode is for this month is how to disciple your own children and how it impacts the entire, entire local church that you attend. So often we think that uh, discipleship only affects the home or it only affects when they go to school, but frequently and very uh, often we oversee or we don't really take into account uh, how the discipleship of your own child, your own student in this context really impacts the whole entire church right and so uh, now with COVID-19 and all this stuff going down you might not have been back to church yet or you might be watching online or you're kind of not watching online not attending and that's okay but somehow you've got this podcast and I just want to encourage you that even if you're attending online the way that you disciple your kids impacts the way that they see online church it's 100 true uh, we're going to dive into that just very briefly here in a little bit but don't, don't think, well, I haven't been back to a campus or back to my church physical location yet that this does not apply to me, because it does. The way that you disciple your kids always impacts the local church. So uh, I am super excited about this because one, this is the first episode. It's a big deal. It's, I feel like it's something God's called me to do for a really, really long time. And I've just been scared. Uh, you know, when you put stuff out there, you gotta have, you're you gonna have critics, you're gonna have people that don't really like it, or it's just not gonna work and you gotta be okay with that. So been a little scared but I'm excited about this. And it's just, it's super humbling too, uh, because I'm 26 years old and I have a little girl and I have no right to tell parents how to disciple their kids. But at the same time, I do feel like God's called me to a place of leadership in the lives of students. Uh, And I've done research and I've done those things. And so I'm just excited about this. And I'm also excited about it because uh, I get to bring on the first ever guest of the podcast uh, to give you just the run of the short he's a he's a literally a family member right now, like some people say you're my family and it's not true like this he's literally my family a close friend he's a pastor he's also my boss so if I say some crazy things and that just shuts off it's because he's upset so just don't worry about that we'll get back to you later but uh, Adam is Adam Spurlock is our first guest here on the parent points podcast uh, and we are so glad to have you how are you doing today Adam?
1: Justin, man, I am great, and um, I'm humbled and honored to be the first guest on the first episode today. Hey, man, let me just encourage you as well, Justin. Um, I love what God has given you in terms of a passion and a vision for one, discipling your own child, uh, but also leading the way for the parents, uh, equipping the way for the parents to also make disciples of their children. So, anyway, I just want to say, out uh, of boy to you, and uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, Adam. I appreciate that. Well, uh, Adam, before we kind of dive into this, I think it's important for our, our listeners to kind of get the context of where we serve and what we do. Uh, and and kind of from your perspective, obviously, uh, you are a lead pastor at Restoration Community Church, uh, which is in Charleston, South Carolina, because nobody knows the actual town where it's at. It's called Hanahan, but it, it's, we just say Charleston. So, <laughs> uh, okay, But, right. uh, uh, you know, and I serve as a student pastor and connections pastor here with, uh, under you, uh, but I want, I would love for you just to take a brief moment, uh, whether it's, you know, however long you feel led to, but I would love for you to take a moment and share kind of the story of restoration, like w- the calling in your heart through it, uh, kind of why this was important uh, to you, and really just kind of the the story from birth to kind of where we're at now. Uh, I think it's been eight years, or this is eight, eight year eight. Uh, and so I would love for you just to start uh, this conversation, kind of giving us that backstory.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, so uh, I'll be as brief as I can, but about, I don't know, I guess uh, the rumbling in my heart started, I don't know, probably nine or 10 years ago at this point, uh, I was working for FedEx, uh, had literally just, and had the world's greatest job. Um, It paid well. It was flexible. I got paid to take people out to eat. Uh, I mean, it was a great job. I was in a car all day, in and out of me, like in and out of sales. It was just the perfect job for someone like me while I was serving the local church. right, I was a student leader, a volunteer student leader, uh, passion for for middle schoolers and high schoolers, uh, seeing them grow closer to the Lord. Anyway, uh, about 10 years ago, I'm standing on shortstop of my son's t-ball practice and I'm, I'm coaching and I'm looking around the stands in this my hometown, Hanahan, South Carolina, and I'm looking around the stands and it was like, God, like I just had one of those moments, Justin, where I don't know if you have ever had one of those moments where it's just like, God clearly tells you something or begins to tell you something. And I began to look around the stands and I saw people who I went to school with, high school with, they lived in my neighborhood, they lived in my home city and beyond the, the smiles and the laughs I just saw brokenness and I saw people who needed a chance to hear and respond to the gospel I'm literally on shortstop and this is all going through my head and I remember telling God God you ought to start something new here in Hanahan like I, I love my home church where I was I love what I was doing I didn't want it to be me I just knew that God I thought God should should start a new work uh here in Hanahan and so I don't know uh, sooner rather than later God began to, to show me that, that he did want to start something new, and um, as crazy as it sounds, he, he was going to call me to plant a church with my wife and, and about ten other families. I will say this though, Justin, uh, the very first um, year, or so uh, we were a church of four. Uh, super excited about that, four whole people. That would be my wife, and my two children, and in the first year, we grew by twenty-five percent, which is crazy because Katie had Titus; that was our fifth, our, our third child. So it was incredible to see God's growth. But then, uh, you know, just very shortly after that he began to give us 10 families or so who would be on mission with us. And the mission wasn't to create, um, anything. Uh, it was just a mission to equip disciples who would go make other disciples of Jesus. Like, like literally it was 10 families who really just wanted other people, their neighbors their friends their coworkers to come to know Jesus. And that was really exciting for me and, and to see what God has done with us restoration. Um, it's really just a testimony to god's faithfulness uh justin even here locally there are other church plants who are thriving man and they're they're going and they've been awesome um but some of them started with i don't know budgets of um over a hundred thousand dollars in year number one kind of you know god was just that's how god chose to work in their in their church plant for us at restoration we started out with zero dollars our first gift came from a navy officer who had been saving his tithes for like a year because uh, he didn't know where to give it, or he wasn't part of a church, and he happened to hear our story, and he sends us a check um, for five thousand dollars. Like that was that was our seed money, and to see what God has done with that in terms of baptizing—I don't know, gosh, close to two hundred people now at this point, uh, growing from five people to you know pre-COVID around five hundred or so. Like
0: God is doing some great things at restoration, and it's been super exciting. That that's that's an incredible story, uh, and and for those of you listening, like we. Uh, Just December uh, 20 or December 20th, 2020, we just entered into our new building. And uh, one thing that I'm excited about that is, you know, being meeting in an elementary school for seven years and now in a building like we've you have been able to kind of commission us as, hey, the the building's not the church. The building's a building. We're just we're we the church are able to meet inside. Right. Like it's no different than the school, except for we own it and sometimes that's good sometimes it's bad but anyway uh, anyway like we we had that building and so to see it start from four quickly jump to five families five people in your church and then now now you're you're at a place where there's like a, a parking space right for you for for like the, the people at the church you know and all that stuff it's just really 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 cool and like you said it's a testament to how God is faithful uh, yeah. and all he's done and um And so Adam, really, I think that's important because you said a couple things in there that you saw your friends and neighbors, and then you saw families that you knew already that they kind of hopped on board. And then y'all just wanted to see other, other, their neighbors and other families really be disciples that disciple other people. And so today I just want to have a conversation about why discipling students, specifically sixth through 12th graders, right? You have two in that age range right now, uh, why this is so important. And now I'll, and and for those of you listening, you'll get to know this super quick. And Adam knows this about me. I'm just really blunt and very honest. Uh, and so this is my thing is, I, why, why has the church, why have individuals lost, why have we lost this idea of discipleship does not happen in our home? Because, you know, I grew up, didn't grow up in a in a, in a home that went to church all the time. And so that was super foreign to me, but families that have, been here for a long time and really been in church world for a long time, it feels like they drop their kids off the student ministry events or they drop their kids off on Sunday morning and expect me and our team or any other student ministry, they expect the student ministry team to be the primary discipler uh, in that student's life. And so I wanted to kind of start there. Like, why do you feel or why have parents kind of gotten away from this idea that they are to disciple their kids or be the primary discipler in their student's life?
1: Yeah, Justin, that, that's a that's a really great question that probably has a couple layers upon layers of explanation. But I'll I'll do my best to give my opinion and sum it up as concisely as I can. Um, let me break that down into two parts, right? So I want to give you a kind of like a big umbrella and then two parts, kind of kind of underneath that. Good, good enough. The, the first one is I think we as parents have just forgotten our ultimate purpose as followers of Christ. Now again, I kind of right now I'm speaking to those people who would you know consider themselves followers of Christ. I think as parents, we've just forgotten our ultimate purpose. And what I mean by that, and, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody if I'm not careful, is I think with all the busyness, with all the distractions, with the fact that people have access to you, Justin, the dad, 24 seven, they have access to me 24 seven. There's this cultural expectation to respond to everyone and everything right away. And we have these life events that have to take place, right? That we have these life events that we take pictures of, snapshots, gotta be perfect, gotta put it on social. We have all this stuff going on, competing for our time and our energy and our efforts. And I just think we as parents sometimes forget what our ultimate purpose is with our children. And thus we prioritize some things over discipling our, our children. So I think that's number one. And again, I'm using broad strokes There's exceptions to everything. Uh, the second thing I would say is the church. Um, and, and I do see a good shift taking place, Justin. So let me just say this, as I, as I give this answer, let me say, I see a good shift taking place right now. But I think for years, the big C church, um, again, we're putting the focus back where it needs to be. But I think the big C church for years, there was a discipling model of the church that focused on getting large group of kids, students in one place, one or two times a week. And that was called discipleship. And then we created another wheel of this discipleship model where, hey, mom and dad, we'll come disciple you how to be good money managers. Or we'll walk you through the book of John while your kids are being discipled. And and so we created this wheel of ministry, maybe with good intentions, but what ended up happening was mom and dad subconsciously maybe thought, oh, well, I'll go get my discipleship on. I'll give my kids to the student pastor. He'll do his thing. And then we'll just go home and we'll call that discipleship. Meanwhile, we deliberately teach mom and dad, hey, the church has got it. You guys just focus on you. Again, I don't think any of that was intentional. I just think that is the byproduct of what we've seen um, over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years or so. Just my thoughts, Justin.
0: No, I think, that's, I think that's spot on. I think one thing that I thought about when you were talking about that is these events called D-Nows <laughs> and like Discipleship Now events. And like, get me, like I've ran millions of D-Nows, it feels like. I've been to other churches and spoke at D-Nows. But like we call it now, a discipleship now, and you're there for four, three days, like not even three days. It's like two full days and like church on Sunday. And I think even in the language, we're communicating that. And so I think that's really wise on what you're saying about how it might not even have been intentional. It most likely wasn't, but we started doing all these programs and that's kind of what what happened. Now, uh, uh, before we kind of go further into that, Uh, One thing for for our listeners, we could have moms and dads, we could have just moms, we could have just dads listening. I'm not entirely sure. Hopefully we have both at some point listening, but I kind of want to define the role. Now, uh, in 2020, 2021, the the couple days we're in here, uh, gender and home roles and all that stuff is a super hot topic uh, in the culture about how Everybody needs to be equal, or this is who this, this is who this does this. This is so. I want us as believers to define or kind of talk through the roles of mom and dad in regards to discipling their kid. And this is something that I'm gonna learn from here in this moment because uh, we have a 16 month old and my wife spends a lot more time with her than I do, right? But I, I know in my heart, I feel like there's a more a more weight on me to be the primary disciple in the home because I am the husband and I'm the dad so I want you to kind of from your seat as a lead pastor as well as somebody that has people in this stage of life with a wife um, can you define those could does a father have more responsibility to disciple their kids than a wife or, or a mom is is one more than the other or what I guess just what are those different roles kind of go down that road for just a little bit for me
1: yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Justin. And so, what I would say to, to those of you who are listening, uh, I think in the military they have a term where they say, "Hey, everybody, stand down." Like at FedEx, sometimes when the when the natives would get restless at FedEx, our boss would say, "Everybody, stand down." What I want to encourage the listeners to do is just take a deep breath and, and stand down, and let's look at that question that Justin asked: Does the father have more of a responsibility from just a biblical standpoint? Right. So stay with me, Justin. Tell me if I start to to lose you or I'll lose people but I want to start by at least examining the fact that God tells us to relate to him like we would a father. Like he, he literally speaks to us and says, Hey, I'm God, the father, or like relate to me as one would the father. I don't think that's by accident. I don't think that's an accident at all. And then when you start to look at the creation story with, with Adam, like we see Adam having a leading role placed on him. Um, Fast forward throughout scripture, we see instructions consistently given to fathers. Uh, Second Chronicles, uh, we see uh, language of David leading his family, Ephesians chapter six, we see where, where fathers are given instruction, weighty instructions. So biblically, I would say, yes, the man has been given the spiritual leadership role. like He has the, the greater responsibility. Um, if, you're, if you're thinking about in terms of carrying weight, certainly moms are going to carry weight. We, we see that with the story of Paul and how his mother and grandmother, um, or sorry, Timothy, how his, his mother and grandmother discipled him. But ultimately, God has given the bulk of the weight. To the father, to, to the husband. Um, and so there's more weight, more responsibility. But, but listen to this, and, and listeners, I want you to listen to this as well. There is, there is equal value, but different roles. Mothers obviously have an incredible amount of discipleship weight in their children. I mean, Justin, look at my family. I, I, I Katie um, has spent gosh, 15 years in, in, in the home. I mean, she's worked maybe one or two days a week for the most part. Yes, in the last couple of years, she's got another job as the kids have gone to school. But she was the one making disciples day in and day out. At the same time, Justin, I think you can relate to this. If I walk into the home as a father, I possess the amount of influence to completely undo mm. everything that she's done in the previous eight or nine or 10 hours. If I come in there and I don't model, the heart and the character of Christ. If I come in and I don't affirm what she's taught because the father has just been given this innate influence and value over their kids. I mean, I mean Justin, you, you've been a student pastor for several years now. I've been in ministry for several years, been a student leader since I was 20 years older. So I, we both know the reality is, I mean, even psychologists talk about things called you know, daddy issues. Mm-hmm. The dad just has weight. Uh, the dad just has this incredible amount of weight. So does mom. But yes, to answer your question, I think the father has a biblical responsibility, uh, a little bit weightier than mom does, but I'm not taking anything away away from mom's value or responsibility. Equal mm-hmm. value, different roles. Does that
0: make sense? Yeah, 100%. I think that last part, summing it up, the equal value, different roles. Like I think that's super. And I think that the imagery of, I think about that too, you know, my wife, she's a stay-at-home mom and uh, Alyssa stays home with Shiloh and we're expecting number two. And, and when I come home, even though Shiloh's not at that point to be able to conversate or talk, I've I've seen how Alyssa has disciplined her. uh, And there've been times where she's told Shiloh something that she can't have. And I walk in the house and give it to Shiloh. And I'm like, oh no, snap, that's no, no. And that's a very funny reality. But at the same time, the same value, just different roles. And so you do, we have the power to undo everything that the mom does. But Ultimately, the, the father, the dad, the husband is responsible uh, for, for that. Now, before, I, this is not on our script, but I do want to ask this question. Could you briefly, very briefly, talk about how that relates to parents that are divorced? So mom and dad divorced, but they have a sixth grader or an 11th grader. And they're, they do, even though they've divorced, want to disciple their kid. They bring them to church and they're listening to this podcast do those roles are the same? Or are they different? What would you say in that situation?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I really want to speak um, to those uh, moms, single moms, uh, even single dads. Well, let's focus on single moms just for a minute. I really want to bring back up uh, the example we see in scripture of Timothy, who, who went on to be a pastor, right? He, he pastored a church. Um, and, and in scripture, it actually says he was discipled by his mother and grandmother. What I would say to that, Justin, is when we as humans live in this fallen world, fallen world because of sin and sin you know destroys everything uh, starting with me and my we're we're all broken and sometimes that brokenness creeps its way into marriages and we end up having broken marriages because of the effects of of sin. What I would argue is that God is faithful even when sin has rendered us maybe faithless at times um, or we haven't been faithful. What I mean by that is Let's say we hit a hit a roadblock, a speed bump in life, right? Now, now it's in the rearview mirror of life because we're moving forward, right? We're moving forward. We, we've, gotten, we've gone through the divorce. We've weathered that storm. Now we're raising kids, right? We're raising kids because life moves on and we have to move on. What I would argue is that God is faithful. And so to that mom who is raising her children and trying to be a disciple, hey, God will give you, mom, exactly what you need. He'll, he'll give you the words to say. He'll surround you with the people that you need to be surrounded with. I would just encourage you, God will be faithful and give you what you need to make disciples of Jesus. No matter if you're in a, in a divorced home or whether you're in a, you know, a nuclear biblical home, like it, God will be faithful. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that little caveat there. Um, well, you know, we believe uh, that those that believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord are a part of the local church. They're they're a part of, you know, here for our context at Restoration Community Church, if they decide to be a part of our church, like they believe in Jesus, they're a part of this church. And then globally, they're a part of the the Big C Church. Now, I want us to really just hone in here locally. And then for those listening, like at their local church, uh, how does the discipleship in the home or how does a, a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife, how, they, how, do, how does their discipleship of their student impact the local church? And let me, before you start, I want to flip that too. How does the lack of their discipleship impact the church? Because I think it's a both and, right? If we do disciple, we're going to see positive things and you're going to talk about that. But I also think that, I, I, I'll just be transparent, I know families uh, here and other student student ministries that I've served at, that I just know that when those kids come in the door, it's a totally different ball game because I know that their home life is not uh, something that you know I, I would desire for them to have, right? Like I would desire for them to be discipled and and all that stuff. So, can you just talk about that about the effects of of good discipleship in the home? And before you go, like. I, I, don't, I won't, don't want our listeners to think like, if you're not discipling your kids, like you can't bring them to student ministry events. Like that's right. not true. <laughs> or like if right. you've had a hard week and you just hadn't gotten to it, like that you can't bring your kids to church. That's not what we're saying. What we're trying to say is, is that what you, like, we're trying to place that value that Adam just talked about. Like we're trying to raise that up in your heart and in your eyes and in your spirit. Like what you do as a parent, uh, what I do as a parent, what Adam does as a parent, man, it impacts not just the the brick and mortar of our house. It impacts the church. It impacts the schools that you send your kids to. It impacts their friendship selection as well as their friendship depth. It impacts so much. And right now we're just focusing in on how it impacts the local church. But so Adam, how does does discipleship in the home impact the local church? In a lack of discipleship, how does it affect or like kind of have negative ripples in the local church that you would see?
1: Yeah, super question, right? And so I don't remember where I read this, Justin, or where I heard it, uh, but I remember hearing that, uh, stay with me, healthy homes make healthy families, and healthy families make up healthy churches. Uh, and so if you think about that, that, that in a healthy home, there's a healthy family, and healthy families make up healthy churches. The impact that family discipleship has on the local church, um, I mean, let me maybe personalize it, Justin, maybe the best way is to personalize this it absolutely impacts the health of the local church. For example, Justin, I have two children involved in your student ministry, right? I have a high school and a middle school directly involved in your student ministry. What I'm doing at home or what I'm not doing at home is going to directly impact, for example, your Wednesday nights. Uh, ultimately, what, what you're trying to accomplish in your ministry, if you're, if you're you know, trying to make and equip disciples who love, lead and serve, uh, they're in the student ministry, and I'm not doing that at home, well your, men's, well, your Wednesday night literally is going to be impacted by what my kids are bringing in there on Wednesday night. So I, I want my children to be a, a disciple uh, to, of Jesus Christ. I want them to love God. And I want them to love people. Uh, and I want them, listen, I want to teach them to serve the bride of Christ. And so if I'm teaching them the importance of serving the bride of Christ, again, right now, I think this podcast is mainly talking to followers of Christ. And if you're listening as a mom and dad, uh, I'm really just speaking to you. If you're a follower of Christ, then one of my jobs is to teach my children to love the bride of Christ, not just Jesus, but his bride. And that is the church. And so I'm teaching that to my children when they walk in Wednesday nights to Justin's student, students restoration, that is going to have a direct impact on how they function for that hour and a half to two hours. Does that make sense,
0: Justin? Yes, 100 percent, 100 percent. Now, what really quick, what would you say like about on a Sunday morning? Like we're a church that uh, we don't have the typical Sunday school or groups on Sunday. Like we we do groups in homes on Sunday nights or other times during the week. But do you think that same premise applies to our Sunday morning services? Like if, if parents are or are not discipling their kids at home when they come here on a Sunday morning at nine or 1030 for our services, is that the same thing? Does it directly impact? Sunday morning, maybe just not as deep? Or what would you say to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. And the short answer is absolutely it impacts. And so I'll give you two examples, uh, right? And one's a real family and one's a make-believe family. Uh, We we had a family at Restoration um, who who have since been uh, uh, relocated, I guess is the right word, with the army. Uh, And so they've moved on away from Charleston. But they were deliberately teaching their children uh, what it meant to, to stay in a uh, service, uh, starting at a very young age, like like five, six, seven, eight, what it looked like to sit still and to give God honor and to give God uh, sacrifice, like even at a, you know, as much as a five or six, seven-year-old would understand. As they continue to grow up, uh, they deliberately would teach their children why they sing. They would deliberately teach their children why we're going to hear the word of God, what it means to respond to the word of God. Like They would do that at home right and then then they would actually practice it and model it on sunday mornings so what they were doing at home literally had an impact on a sunday morning service for example now stay with me i'll I'll use a make-believe family for this next one if this make-believe family is modeling a complacent check the box mentality when it comes to the local church maybe even modeling a consumer mentality hey we're going to go sunday morning we're going to kind of sit in the row We're going to consume all that's coming from that stage. We might listen. We might even clap our hands. We may sing back, but hey, we're just going to consume. And then we'll be back next week to check the box and to consume some more. All of a sudden, no one's directly, deliberately teaching that. But man, I tell you what, somebody told me this a long time ago. Children are always learning from mom and dad, always learning. Uh, It's just what kids do. And so for me, if I'm not creating this deliberate disciple making process, and by default, I'm modeling this complacent. I'm just checking the box. I'm just participating, consuming. My kids are watching that. And that is going to have a direct impact, not just now on Sunday mornings, Justin, but for years to come from that family. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, 100%. And again, to relate it back to, to my family, my daughter, she gets up and she'll kind of journal with me in my and my quiet time sometimes. And she loves holding pens and she tries to click a pen with her, with her index finger and she can't muscle it so I tried to move her thumb to do it and she wouldn't move it but then I took the pen and clicked it in front of her with my thumb and she moved her thumb right away and started clicking like you said children are always learning students even are always always learning so uh, let's take this now down to a super practical level Uh, I've been doing student ministry for eight years Uh, and I'll tell you what, you hear all the excuses under the sun, right? Well, and for this, this situation, uh, the two excuses that I hear the most is one, I don't know how or where to start discipling my kid. Like I have no clue. Like I'm just, I'm lost in the desert and have no water. Like I have no earthly idea what to do. And the second excuses that I hear is I don't have enough time and I'm too busy. Right. So will, I'll talk and we both will talk about that practical, like how to do these types of things. But I first want to talk to those that feel like they just don't have time. Uh, you literally started a church, uh, with left, left a corporate job, started a church, been super busy. Uh, you're a hard worker. You, we, you've both got part-time jobs. You have a wife. You, you serve on boards. You do so much. You are extremely busy now you are a pastor and you do disciple your kids. Like there's that caveat. But at the same time, like like you are extremely busy. I'm extremely busy. Um, what do we say to the mom and dad who have the corporate jobs, who are do- selling the corporate accounts that are running their kids from back and forth uh, from soccer practice to baseball to gymnastics? What do we say to those kids and those parents um, about uh, discipling, even when they feel like they don't have time, even when they feel like they're too busy to do, to do this? All right, it's a fair
1: question, Justin, and I'm going to do my very best to uh, answer um, with my shepherd hat on and, and not answer with my football coach kind of hat on. Because a football coach in me would want to say, stop making excuses. Because here's why. Every one of us on earth, every person, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, every one of us on earth make time for what's most important to us. I don't care who you are and I don't think there's an argument to be made. Some people will say, wait, that's not true. There's a lot of things that are important to me. I I don't get to them. That may be true, but what's most important to you, you're going to get to and you're going to make time for. So my football coach hat says, stop making excuses. I'll try to be more of a shepherd and and say this. Um, If you're married, what I would say, Um, just right now, if you say you're too busy, sit down with your spouse, ask your spouse, assuming they're a follower of Christ, ask your spouse, what is the most important thing to us when it comes to discipling and raising our kids? Mm. I, I literally like have that conversation, go on a date night and just say, okay, listen, what's most important to us as mom and dad, when it comes to raising and discipling our kids as followers of Christ and even have the hard discussion, like even ask the hard question is it even important to us? Like, has it been important to us? What do we do to make it important to us? So I would start with with that, that conversation with my wife. If I'm, if I'm in that position where I'm saying, Hey, I don't have time. All right. Now I need to audit my time. If it is important to me, if it is important to me to make disciples of Jesus in my own home, then I got to audit my time and I'm gonna have to make adjustments in my calendar. Uh, I'm actually going to have to like say no to some of the good stuff to make room for, for the most ultimate thing. I wanted to say no to some temporal things to say yes to the eternal things with my children. Um, so I hope that helps a little bit as far as um, what would I say to those who, who say I have no time. The football coach in me says, uh, stop making excuses. The shepherd uh, in me says, Hey, why don't we, why don't we ask our spouse what's most important and then audit our time.
0: Yeah. You, you were preaching one Sunday uh, in our series, love by neighbor. And I think you use this, you, Said this, excuses are reasons stuffed with lies, right? Like, there are reasons not to do everything. Like, there's reasons not to do this, but then we fill them and we stuff them with lies and it keeps us from doing what's important, right? Um, yeah. So, now let's get super practical before we wrap this up. Yep. Again, you, you've mentioned your kids before, one in middle school, one in high school. Uh, just practically, like, just you and your home, there's no, like, I'm not feeding you an answer. I just want you to be transparent. Like, what? What are things that you just do in your home uh, to disciple your kids um, uh, and your students uh, to be followers of Jesus? What do you do? Okay, so I'm going to answer
1: this question full-fledged transparency uh, and honesty. And what I mean by that is Katie and I try hard, but we don't always get it right, right? And so God is faithful even when we are not. Um, and he's been very faithful to us uh, despite our mistakes um, and in spite of our best efforts, to be honest. But, but here's what we've done, Justin. And if you're a mom or a dad listening to this and you have young children who are quite, aren't quite middle schoolers or high schoolers yet, like I really want you to lean into this. We were taught, Katie and I were taught very young that discipleship of a middle school and high school student, it actually starts when they're about 18 months old. And we've been very, very deliberate in, in creating uh, space in our schedules, uh, to be very deliberate in what it looks like to model the character and nature of Christ to our children, even when we discipline them when they're really young. Um, moving forward, we want to have this, this combination, and this is very important for middle school and high schooler, extremely important, I would argue, is to model the character and nature of God, meaning 100% love and 100% law. Uh, if you look at the character and nature of, of God as a, in terms of how I'm going to parent my child, I want to be all loving and I want to be um, all law at the same time. So there's this tension there of, of creating a disciple of Christ who is learning to obey him while understanding that God loves him. And then, Justin, here's what I want everybody listening to, to realize. out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where Katie and I get our, our parenting philosophy from. It, it's not necessarily an event in the day. It's morning, noon, and night. Morning, noon, and night. I am teaching my children the character and nature of God. Now, do I bat a thousand? Justin, dude, I I strike out every day. I I screw up every single day. And even that's a part of discipleship, by the way, like confessing my failures to my kids saying, hey, dad really screwed that one up. Uh, That was not honoring to God. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm confessing it. But morning, noon, and night, I want to model Jesus. I want to model Jesus. I want to have a biblical worldview and how we approach conflict. I want to have a biblical worldview and how we make decisions. I want my kids to understand why we spend the money, our money, the way we spend our money. Why we give when we give. Why we give to who we give. Like I want them to understand that and see Jesus in this. And then, Justin, let me say this to the moms and dads. You asked a question, how do Katie and I do this? Discipling our middle school and high school students requires sacrifice. And what I mean by that is I can't tell you how many times Katie has said no to that ladies weekend, which is not a bad thing. Hey, go on ladies weekends. But I can't tell you how many times we've said no to going and having game night, one more Friday night while our kids occupy themselves with a device for three hours so mom and dad can have their time. I can't tell you how many times I've said no to Sunday afternoon football games with the guys to go hang out with my son. Again, I'm not brassing my own knob. I swear I'm not. But what I'm doing, what I'm trying to explain is that we were taught that. We were taught that by people who were older and wiser when we were 20 something. And we've tried to implement that. And so to to the mom and the dad who's saying, listen, how do I start discipling my children? Number one, start modeling the character nature of God, law and love. Do that morning, noon and night, which means you have to surrender as mom and dad morning, noon and night. And discipling your children will require sacrifice on your part. The other thing I would say, do I have one more minute, Justin? I got one more minute. Yes. Yes. One quick tidbit right now. If you're in that situation where you're like, okay, I don't even know where to start. I'm not anywhere near that, Adam. I I don't, I don't know what to do. Do this one thing, one thing, have a meal together around the table two or three times a week. If you're, if you're not doing it now, start with two or three times a week. If you already do that, praise God. There's a book called long story short. It's about a 10 minute devotional. We've done this at our family table. You can order it online. I don't know, like $10, 11 $12. Long story short, 10 minutes. You, it's interactive with your kids. It's interactive with your students. It's appropriate for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Get that book. Start doing that with dinner time. Start making a disciple that way. Mm, that's very good. Very good.
0: Well, Adam, it has been a joy to have you and have have you on this podcast and have this conversation with you. Uh, the first one ever. super excited about it. Oh, man. Um, excited to see kind of how this how this impacts people. I just wanted to give you uh, one last moment. I didn't know if you got like a like a drop the mic thing, even though you've been dropping it all, all, all to- the whole time. But just anything else that you want to add to anything that you've said or anything that we've missed here uh, in these moments? Anything at all?
1: I'll say one last thing. And again, thank you for having me on and let me be your first guest, man. Uh, this is this is it's an honor. I'll say this one last thing making a disciple at home and disciple my children begins with my own surrender to Jesus. That's good. If I'm going to make a disciple, I've got to surrender first as dad, as mom. That'd be the last thing I'd say. Yeah, that's good. That's good.
0: All right. Well, before we let you go, uh, any books you've read, not, not necessarily parenting books, if, if that's a, a parent, if that's a book, great. Right? But any books or audio books or podcasts or blogs that you have just recently kind of, dive in on and, and have been impactful to you?
1: Yeah, it's funny you ask that question. I'm um, reading a book or listening to a book, I should say, by Dave Ortland called um, Gentle and Lowly, and it's all around Jesus when he says, uh, I come to you gentle and lowly in spirit. Uh, and man, just as a parent, uh, like even when it comes to viewing my children as God views them, uh, especially if they're not saved yet, but, but having a gentle and lowly spirit with them, Uh, anyway, great book, highly recommend it. Uh, it's been really uh, eye-opening for me.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, again, Adam, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun, uh, here on the parent podcast. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's great. Uh, here on the parent podcast, our mission is to help you as parents realize and accomplish this truth. You are the primary disciple maker of your student. I hope today's episode really encouraged you, equipped you and engaged you in your heart, uh, to, uh, teach you and and push you to engage your student and disciple them Uh, until next time go and parent like you never have before.